everyone, I'm Tony Lontis and this is the Everyday Business Show. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability because if I fail, that means I fail for my entire female nation, I call it. <laughs> is that possible? That was a question for myself. And it is absolutely possible. Good afternoon, Australia. Good evening, America. And welcome to everyone across the planet. A big shout out to those who are listening in Germany this evening. This is the Everyday Business Show and I'm your host, Tony Lontis. And if you're listening live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch or Twitter, we have the gorgeous Hannah ready and waiting to respond to your questions, comments, and provide you with links to anything that we talk about on the show today. Additionally, if you are driving, then jump onto TonyLottis.com, look under the co-host and a guest section on the website, and you will find links to our guest today. A reminder too that you can find the replays of any of these shows on Binge Networks USA, Hero Go TV USA, and soon they'll also be available on Zondra TV Networks USA, the Tony TV channel app available on all Roku, LG and Samsung smart TVs across the planet. Now, we're going to do a little welcome to country before we get on with the show, and I want to respectfully acknowledge the people of the Yugamba language region that's on the Gold Coast, Queensland, Australia, the traditional owners of the land on which we meet and broadcast, and pay my respects to the elders past and present and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Now, I have a friend of mine on the show today, a guy by the name of Matt Boyle from Online to Offline. And as you know, each week on the business show, we predominantly talk to entrepreneurs, CEOs, company experts across the planet, and today is no different. So Matt likes to separate himself from the others. And the one thing that separates an abundance of new clients and those who don't is strategy. And that's having the right strategy to consistently prospect for new business opportunities, the right strategy to consistently follow up old leads and customers, the right strategy to consistently market to their databases, and the right strategy to consistently build and engage with audiences across multiple platforms. Matt says it's not complicated but it does take one thing most sales teams lack, and that's time. So it's in this gap where the team from O2O, online to offline, help. And they help with the right systems and the right team that is outsourced to benefit you and your business. And today we're going to be talking about how O2O achieves this for their global client base and also about Matt's really interesting story about being in business. So welcome to the show, Matt. I'm so glad to have you here. Hey, absolute pleasure. 
Now, Matt is joining us today from a remote location and he's using Wi-Fi so that we could have this show today. He's actually on holidays and for our US audience, Australia has a long four-day weekend over Easter. So that's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, public holidays. Not much happens and lots of people take that opportunity to have a break and Matt and his family are no different. Matt, I wanted to start today just talking a little bit about you and your journey in business because it's a really interesting story and it all started when uh, you were working as a salesman. So let's go back and tell the audience what's happened in those intervening years. Well, it was back way back in 2006, 2007, I was in the automotive industry and I happened to see the butterfly flapping its wings. And I happened to just notice that there was a few small shifts in how people were buying cars. You know, for years it had always been Saturdays would be the day that people would come out and do their research and then you would you would close them during the week. But what I started just noticing was the people that were coming in on Saturday already started to have the information they needed and um, we we're getting a lot more inquiries over the internet. So I walked into the, the dealership that I was at and the um, dealer principal and the owner who was a very, very successful um, entrepreneur and I went and just said, there's something changing with this internet. We need to figure it out. And so I basically spent the next three years locked in a, in a dungeon at the back of the dealership <laughs> figuring out how to sell cars over the internet. And... Uh-huh. You know, this was back back then where everyone kind of thought it was a joke mm. and I'd, I'd be sitting there and I'd be taking photos of cars and putting them on the internet and figuring out how to, you know, the best angles to take photographs of and the best comments and then when you started to get inquiries through how to actually respond to those inquiries and convert those inquiries and there was a huge amount of kind of trial and error that went into figuring all this stuff out but Within three years, I turned that department there to that was actually now selling thirty five percent of the dealership's total t- total stock, and we were um, massively profitable. We're actually out producing from a profit per vehicle the the normal retail departments, and um, it just just was sort of mind blowing. So I was able to leverage that, and because right right about then in two thousand and ten two thousand eleven, that's when other dealerships started going, started. oh, heck, there's a you know, <laughs> thing called the internet. And the strategies of just discount our price and put the cars online at discount, 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 is it making us any money? How can, we, mm. how can we do it? So I happen to be the one that had all the answers at the right time when people were asking all the questions. So I was able to kind of exit out of the, the dealership that I was working in and start my own sales training company designed yeah. to help get on get on the internet and, and be more effective I more, more effective over the internet and just through timing and, and again having all the answers to the questions that people were looking for I was able to grow that fairly quickly into four offices around Australia and for a sort of fleeting moment <laughs> um, having the largest automotive training company in the in, in the country so it was it you know, it was an interesting kind of journey and a, you know, powerful couple of years, years of growth. Mm, yeah. 
So what happened, uh, what changed to cause you to go from automotive sales into the next stage? Well, it was a, it was a combination of a couple of, couple of things that mm-hmm. the automotive industry, and as I was sort of training, it was massively profitable, but it was horribly unfulfilling. You know, I would spend my uh-huh. day convince people that they needed help and had to prove to them that I knew my stuff and that being able to, you know, sell this way was more effective. So you had that kind of thing and you put up with it because the pay was pay was amazing. But then through a series of events, I met um, a guy and ended up um, spending three weeks over in Thailand. And yeah. when we were in Thailand, we were um, involved with an organisation that was rescuing women and children out of prostitution and exploitive situations. And the, that, that whole time over there just, it changed me. You know, mm. seeing seeing the travesties that were going on and how how inexpensive human life was and the way that kids were being treated and women were being being treated. When I got back to Australia, I, I got back and I had training like three days after I got back in and I'm sitting in this boardroom and, you know, in there there was six salespeople that were all on $120,000, $140,000 a year. I'm getting paid $6,000 a day for my time. So I'm sitting there and calculating in my head um, that this dealership training has cost has you know has cost this this dealership twenty five thousand dollars to put it on. Yeah. And remembering the stories of some of the kids we rescued and some of the girls we rescued and the fact of buying someone's freedom and buying them out of one of these exploitive situations costs as little as fifteen hundred dollars. And I just went, this is ridiculous. <gasps> and you know, I, I kind of walked back and walked away from that day going, there's got to be a better way because I knew that the salespeople there would not do all of the stuff that was, was done. They wouldn't do the email follow-ups that they needed to. They wouldn't go back and look at old leads and all of the stuff that I knew would make dealerships, you know, hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars um, there. I knew, knew they wouldn't do it. So it kind of dawned on me of going, well, if I can figure out how to automate or outsource all of these systems, instead of businesses paying me to train their sales team for them not to actually do the work, yeah, they could pay me to build the systems and then I could go create jobs mm-hmm. in, in these communities and use, use my business as a way of creating jobs, keeping these women off the streets, giving them alternatives mm-hmm. to prostitution and, and to, you know, that all the exploitation that, that happens. So it took us about two and a half years of trial and error and sort of mm. testing at different systems and how we can kind of go about, you know, looking at quality control and looking at how to um, be able to manage that process remotely in a way that actually delivers the results. But as we kind of, we, we did that, we ended up opening our first centre in the Philippines in 2018 um, and have been, been sort of growing under that model ever since. Fantastic. Matt, just to go back to that time in Thailand, how much of a shock was it to know and understand that $1,500 frees a woman from a lifetime of pain and suffering? What was that moment like for you? It was, it was mind-blowing. And there was like one particular moment that 
there was this this young girl that we we saw on the street and mm. the the short version of the the story is we spoke to her and this is about four o'clock on a in the in the um, Sunday morning you know mm. we're out we're out there we sort of spoke to her um, found out her situation and said we'll, we'll help come and meet us come and meet us tomorrow and um, mm. we wake you know we woke up the next morning and were led to believe that she'd actually been killed. So there's oh, the back of this church, bawling her eyes out over a prostitute we met in the streets six, seven hours earlier. But turns out, you know, we just went, well, we've got to go to this place, and she walked through the door. Oh. So um, I don't know the whole story of what happened, how, how it got there, but when she walked through the door, it was just, you know, absolutely kind of mind-blowing. And, you mm-hmm. know, we, and, and I actually had to go and pretend to this um, pimp and to this trafficker, I had to pretend that um, I wanted her as my wife and I was in love with her and, and all this kind of stuff. And I had to go pay her debts off and, and buy her freedom. And that, that cost $1,500. And it was like, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, I, I spilled that at the bar. That's nothing. That's a, you know, I was yeah. getting paid dollars a day at the time. So it was a couple of hours work. And here is here's her being forced to sleep with six guys a day under the yeah. threat of burden and paying her debts off and buying her freedom cost that and you know, that in itself was mind blowing. Yeah. But what what she did next was the real yes. kind of catalyst that, you know, we as soon as she realised we took her out for dinner before we kinda we're gonna take her to one of the centres to sort of, you know, get her get her checked out medically and yes. and and all of that kind of stuff. And as soon as she kind of really understood that we didn't want sex, we didn't want anything from her, and this was just us doing a nice thing. Yeah. Realised that, you know, she started wanting to give. And she found out we were going to an orphanage the next day and insisted on coming. So mm-hmm. we pick her up next morning, and this is 30 hours after we first met her, 24 hours after we were crying in church thinking that she'd be murdered and she's dragging me around a supermarket filling this trolley with food you know juice boxes poppers lollies you 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 name it just filled it and then she took it to the orphanage and and i watched her give this food out for hours play Mm. with all and and all that kind of stuff and she had so much joy and happiness you know on her face and she came up to me and said oh thank you so much you know, those kids are so lucky that oh. that you were able to buy that food and I'm, you know, just sitting there and going, what? Like, <laughs> it just, the the way that she was able to kind of forgive and move on and actually want to bring joy to others after being in such a horrible situation, mm. I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't get that in my head and I couldn't go back to business yeah. as usual, life as usual. You know, but beforehand, and you know, just going right. The 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 difference between sort of making money over here and saving lives over there just was this. You know, this so it yeah it it really did change everything. 
And that you sort of then decided that there needed to be more. So it wasn't enough for you to actually uh, rescue these women and children. You actually wanted to create something that then gave them life purpose, so finding them gainful employment. And that sort of has led into part of your your bigger um, business vision and mission. So can you tell us about that, Matt? Well, it, it kind of happened by accident and, and almost <laughs> by necessity that, you know, I I went through what I've kind of defined as this evolution that I got mm. back and I just wanted to, to give, give, give. Yes. And, you know, so I would go and work and then I'd go donate all the money and, 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 and all of this kind of stuff. And a couple of things happened. The, the mm. guy that took us over to Thailand yes. ended up stealing about $30,000 off us. Um <sighs> You know, I because I've been over to Thailand with him, and I and I knew his heart. And I know the good he does. I actually know he just he's suffering PTSD, and yes. you know he, he's warped in his sense of reality yes. of okay for him to steal off other people if he's giving it to to others. So that that happened, which was a big shock because thirty thousand dollars is a lot. Um, so that happened, and then my wife gave us a sort of tap on the shoulder one day and said, I need to ring the bank because we can't pay the mortgage this week mm. because you've got too much money. So I kind of went and said, well, I've got to figure out how I can have more because making mm. money and giving isn't, isn't working. It's not sustainable. Yeah. So yeah. it then kind of dawned on me of going, well, they need money. They need jobs. So instead of just giving all this money for them to go hope get jobs, why don't I just build a business that I can employ them? Yeah, and, and that was that kind of catalyst of how that sort of came that 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 came about was that you know it's that kind of you know the the, the light bulb moment of I'm training people how to sell. I know they're not doing the work because they don't have the time. They don't want to do it. It's repeatable tasks that salespeople and their egos say this is below us. Mm. but it makes an absolute fortune for businesses when they, they do it. So if I could figure out how I could get these women and these kids in these developing countries to be able to perform those tasks to the same standard, then businesses will pay me to set the system up and yes. then they'll pay them to be able to do the work. And voila, we're, yeah. create, we're creating this business that, you know, the more jobs we create, the more profit we make and the more profit we make, the more jobs we create. So, yeah. you know, growth and impact became very, became very intertwined. So, Matt, I want to now talk a lot about what O2O do, does. So that's online to offline. I thought I'd start by the name of the business because it's kind of catchy. <laughs> What's the story behind that? Well, it started back way back before everyone kind of knew what, you know, how big an impact the internet would have and go, well, we need to create strategies to take people from online and be able to convert them offline. Yeah. So it was looking at, you know, back back in the origins of, of dealerships going, well, you've got all these online customers, mm-hmm. but you've got an offline dealership and an offline site. So how can you... Yeah take them from online, so from, from the internet, and yes. convert, convert them offline. And 
as the, the business has evolved and the times have evolved, it's still exactly the same principle. Yeah. You know, we're running more virtually these days, but we, we still have physical businesses. There's bricks and mortar businesses and sales teams that need to get their customers from online and be able to kind of convert them in the offline in the offline world. Yeah. So how exactly do you help businesses now? Take us through some of the things and the benefits of working with the team at Workman. Well, the end benefits of what we're always looking to achieve is is more leads, more sales, more profits, mm-hmm. more time to do to do the things you want to focus on best. So yeah. how that looks varies a lot business to business, but the Definitely. strategy remains the same, that we've got, to, we've got to take that backwards step and, and look at it from a, look at things from a different perspective first. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be able to assess the business, assess where their strengths are, you know, from a sales perspective, mm-hmm. what they enjoy doing, mm-hmm. and then also what they don't, what they don't do well. And then we've got to look at how can we build the systems to plug those gaps in there. So we call it, and it's um, we call it profit levers, which is based on a framework I learned 25 years ago, way back, mm. way back in the day of any business and their income is based on four key variables: the amount of leads that are gener- the amount of leads that they generate, yes, the percentage of which those leads convert into a sale, sale. the um, average sale amounts, mm-hmm. and then also the frequency of, of purchase. And you can take that framework and apply it to it, any industry? Any business, any industry, mm-hmm. and it's going to identify where the greatest opportunities are. Mm-hmm. And once you know where the opportunities are, you can then start building the systems to be able to focus on doing that. So... For example, if we're looking at a, um, a business, say, that is a financial planner or mortgage broker, yeah. for example, you know, their, their, you know, their business is based on 100 leads. They might be able to convert 10 of them into clients. Their income might be $3,000 a client and they might buy once every five years. Yeah. Is it just a, you know, just a, a random yes. set of so most businesses will want to go, oh, let's generate more leads because the more leads we generate, the more income we're going to make. Mm-hmm. And then you'd sit there and, and go, well, what if instead of converting 10%, you converted 20%? Yes. And then you can plug that through and go, well, if you can convert 20%, you don't need to spend any more money getting leads mm-hmm. and you can up your income. That leads to the next question down of going, well, what do we need to do to increase our conversions from 10% to 20%. And in most cases, that's going to that's going to revolve around how can we get better at the lead handling process. So that could be how can we respond to the leads faster? How can we follow up with them more effectively? And all of these things, which then when you have that roadmap of these are all the things we can do better, you look at the business as it sits and goes, well, we just don't have the time. You know, we're too busy doing other things. We don't. We can't do that. We can't do that. We can't do that. Yeah. So that's where when, when we have that level of clarity, it becomes really easy to go, well, here is a system that can work and here is a team that can do it for you. So now you don't need to worry about 
responding to leads in 20 minutes. You don't need to worry about following up with leads until they buy or die. You don't need to worry about all of these these things because they're all repeatable. They're all stuff that can be done without affecting the quality. You can template responses and none of, yes. none of which is actually overly complicated. And we can get our team to do it so you can then spend more time on the, part, the parts of the sale that you enjoy the best mm-hmm. and deliver the greatest results and you can go from 10% to 20%. Yeah. So that's kind of the framework and, you know, by, by the time you kind of take that through, every business has a different set of circumstances mm. of what of what we need to do and a different set of tasks that is going to have the impact in their, in, in their business. But the, the, that decision-making tree and that sort of framework yeah. of how we get to those answers is the same no matter what business you're in, what product you're selling, what price point or what market you're targeting. Matt, how important is it to get the systems right? So I know from having worked with you that you help the particular business build the system, but from your overall perspective, how important are those systems to the overall um, success of the sales process? As important as oxygen is to breathe. Yeah. Because if you don't, and this is an Edwards Deming thing, which is someone that I studied a lot, a lot of, which he, he has nothing to do with sales, mm. but I his work and applied into the sales process of if you can't define what you do in, as far as a simple, repeatable process, you don't know what you're doing. So when you look at the sales process, it isn't an art. It isn't, you know, it, it isn't magic. It's it's a series of simple, repeatable processes that if you follow, you can measure, you can manage, mm. and then you quality control, but you can also performance benchmark. So having the system is the underlying, underlying kind of... The foundation. most important thing to get right, yeah? Because if you don't have that in place, then you don't know what you're doing. And if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know how much money you're missing out on. Mm-hmm. But you also don't know if sales start to slow. You don't know why. Yeah. And if you don't yeah, know yeah. why, you can fix it. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So and, and Matt, that, that is the crux of where you start is with a business is, is actually looking at what systems they do or don't have in place and then um, tweaking, fixing, realigning them so that they get better results by using that system. Absolutely, because any business has things that are working well. We don't want to reinvent the wheel or, you know, mm. try to create something that's overly complex. It's, you know, the goal of everything is simplicity mm. and it's predictability. So we look at what's already working and go, well, how can we make it work better? Or how can we make it work without you having to do it? Or how can we 2x what we're doing or 5x what we're doing and maintain the, the same levels? Or often is going, okay, well, if we're doing half of the job well and we've got a great lead generation process and we're generating heaps of leads through our marketing, yeah, how, how can we then make sure we're converting them well enough? Or if we're mm-hmm. converting clients really well, how can we make sure we're getting more leads in? Yeah. Or if we're doing both well, how can we make sure we're retaining our clients longer so we can, we, we can ultimately make more income, in, income out of them? So... So you look at where those opportunities are and then be able to kind of plug the gaps and then you can underline that. You can go, well, here is the the benchmarks 
of what we expect each step in that system to produce, mm-hmm. then it's just a matter of going and, and applying the process, looking at what's working, and if it's not delivering the results we want, mm. we can look through the system and go, okay, well, it's at this step here where things are dropping off. Now let's look into why that's, what, wh- why that's occurring. And yeah. that, it's, that gives you the answers in a much quicker amount of time and much more accurately than any other way because having the systems and having it all benchmarked out from start to finish allows you to ask the right questions mm. which lead you to the right answers so so that's that, that's how we go about it and that's the the kind of foundations of success Matt, your systems that you you use are based on a combination of um, people power, I guess, uh, artificial uh, intelligence and and technology to achieve those results. So it's for you, it's a combination of all of those things working in the right way around a system that you create that delivers the outcome that the company or business wants, and it works across all sorts of industries, doesn't it? Absolutely, because we plug in different systems. So there is there is a, a plethora of amazing tools out there that solve part of a process. Like we we, yeah. we have a tool that that could take someone's LinkedIn profile and do a do a full detailed disk analysis and give you a playbook of how to how to respond to this 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 particular person that is scarily accurate. Yeah, and it, an amazing tool but it doesn't solve the whole problem you need to know how to use that tool in conjunction with other other elements to go well we need to go find that person we need to match that profile to our ideal customer avatar we need mm. to then engage them in a in a conversation and get them get you know get them to respond to us mm. then we can do the personal personality profile to know how we can sell to them effectively yeah. so you know, there's so many great tools out there that solve part of the problem. And there's also so many marketing companies that sell the, the same vision as far as, you know, what that entrepreneurial success is, is this, this amazing life. And they sell their kind of widget as solving that. Mm. Most people realize once they've been there, done that and used it's them. It's only part. It's only part of the problem yeah. and only part of the, only part of the solution. And, you know, sales is one of those things that you can get eight out of ten steps perfectly right, mm. and the two that you get wrong mean you get zero return on investment. Mm. Yeah, and unless you've got unless you've got all ten steps or nine steps or whatever it is working, it ain't going to deliver any results. Mm. But when you get all of the steps working, the results can be transformational, can happen in a very in a very quick quick timeline so our philosophy is we want to put people first and we want to have our team connecting all of the dots between the different systems and the different tools that are Mm. and and, and, you know different tools and different systems that are working but we want to we want to have our people that are are driving that as a as a whole end-to-end solution rather than just providing a, a an ai platform or a tool that you solves part of the problem yes and leaves it up to you to solve the rest of it yeah matt in this day and age where technology is is forefront 
artificial intelligence is booming. How difficult is it for businesses and companies to stand out from the crowd and actually connect with the clients and people that they need to? And how do you solve that? Look, it is increasingly difficult Mm. because different platforms, there's so many different people with different bits of information and different ideas and you can go talk to five different people that have five different success formulas that are, are completely different. But more important than that, the, the challenges of, what's, of what all this technology has created is, is it means as business owners and as salespeople, we're expected to be doing all of mm. these different and all of these different tasks that fundamentally take us away from what we do best. They yeah. tie us to our computers. They tie us to our phones. They tie us to our, our, our sort of chat, chat functions. And they make it harder for us to actually spend time one-on-one engaging in relationships and connecting with with people that can become our our clients so it's it's incredibly hard and mm-hmm. and i kind of really challenge people on is the to, to overcome it requires a change in thinking and to 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 actually overcome come that requires that kind of bridge between the traditional sales roles and traditional marketing roles yeah. needs to kind of be aligned into this one customer journey mm. and you need to be able to spend the majority of your time focused on areas of your strength. And if yeah. you're a salesperson, that is spending, That's your time, strength. spending time connected with people, engaged in conversations, talking, talking to people. And the more you can do that, the happier you become. Yeah. But the more successful you become. And then all of the other tasks that go into making a sale that need to happen, build systems to do, you leverage outsourcing, leverage automation to do it and, and do it that way. But most people use automation as, as a way of replacing connection, replacing conversation, not yes. enabling. So that's the, the challenge and, and how, how to overcome it. But mm-hmm. it does require a, a different level of thinking. Yeah, yeah. Matt, I want to know today, what is your ideal client? Who are the people, if you could have any people, companies, businesses, entrepreneurs on the planet, who do you like to work with the most? I like to work with people that that have a mission. They have something. They're not just out here to make money mm. because making, making money is easy. They, they have to have some other purpose behind what they you know behind what they do mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of the start from there they also have to like engaging with people and talking with people because if you can't talk to people you're yeah. never going to be successful in in, in 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 sales um beyond beyond that is then making sure clients have a, a product that usually is in the business to business space that's where mm-hmm. we do our work and have the most level of of success and also have the the capacity to to do more so it's either through a leverage type of product or they have a sales team sales team behind them and they mm. have that capacity to continue to grow as 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 sales demands yeah matt in talking about sales um not every company or business has a sales team 
their sales team might be the uh, managing director if they're a small startup company. How do you work with those businesses and companies where the CEO wears many, many hats and uh, is actually the, the, the salesperson for the company? So we'll, we'll start by allocating, getting an allocation of time. How much time can they spend on sales each week and what does that look mm-hmm. like? And we, we get them to commit to that by blocking it off in their calendar. And that could be an hour a week, five hours a week, 20 hours a week. doesn't really matter mm-hmm. what, what, what that is. But once we know what that is, we can then start to look at, right, how can we get the best results from that, that time? And that could be right, we need to build a, a team that can operate either side of them and yeah. use that couple of hours a week for um, webinars or boardroom discussions or a kind of one-to-many type of thing and then have yes. teams doing appointment setting and teams doing following up on the back end or it could be um, building teams just doing qualified appointments. You know, Again, the, the exact outcome and the exact tactics that we use vary from business to business. Yes. But it starts with how much time have we got each week to commit to sales tasks? What is the best use of that time? And then what is the best systems to support that that enable enable that optimal growth? And then we just get to a, get to that tipping point of right now, you know, now, now we've got 30 grand a month worth of income coming in. Now we can bring on a, a, a business development team or we can bring on a you know, sale, you know, SDRs yes. and some reps. And we can scale that beyond, or scale that beyond there. But you know, they have to be able to have some time to commit to selling, or yeah. they have some budget to be able to pay someone, someone to do to it. Selling because sales takes time, yeah. And anything of value, you automating it these days completely from end to end mm. is a pipe dream that just can't. You know, if you've got any product of value. And you you don't have a you know don't have a million million audience you know already that's already engaged your relationship selling it automated is a pipe dream that yeah you know people aim for without without the real knowledge or tools to make it happen yeah yeah so if anyone's telling you that that you can automate the whole process then they're not actually correct then are they no yeah no Matt. With all your experience um, and sales background, I know that you're um, an educator and a trainer. Is it your view that most people can pick up the techniques of making a good sale um, with a little bit of training and education? If you want to, yes. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest obstacle in any sales success is mindset and your attitude towards selling. Once you get over that and you, you embrace it as, as something that is ethical, something that is, is good and something that is, you know, it's honest and you, you, you get over that part and you, you get comfortable with being told no because, yeah. you know, we're, we're all humans and if you go back to caveman days, you know, um, being shunned from the, the, the tribe meant certain death. So because, <laughs> yes. of, that, because of that, we have... As a society, we have this big need to be accepted, a big need for people to say yes. So we get hung up on people saying no and take it, you know, take it personally. Once you get over that, those kind of obstacles, 
you can you, you can learn how to sell effectively no matter what your personality type is. Ah. How I sell is completely different how you sell because mm. we have personality type. So I'm going to use my strengths and you're going to use your strengths. And someone that might be a bit more analytical, a little bit more cautious in their in their their personality is going to use their strengths and there's there, there's ways that you can sell that effectively. So you know, not everyone can sell effectively because not a lot, not everyone can get over the kind of mental barriers. Yeah, required. it is tough. It's a tough game, Matt, isn't it? It is if you look at it, if you define success by yes and no. Yeah. If you look at success by am I being authentic, am I putting my best out there, am I following a process mm. and am I measuring that process against benchmarks to know whether that's as effective as it could be or not. Yeah. It becomes quite easy, and you detach that that emotion from the results. Mm. But when people hang up on that, I need that sale today to, to survive, or I need, you know, I need that to feel validated, and and that it becomes challenging. It becomes hard, and you know, you get bruised by the knocks, and you get, you know, you get traumatized by all the rejection, and yeah. it can it really kind of mess with you. So, you know, it's it's a mindset game, and it's. You know, it's a it's a sort of preparation, but it's it's looking at it from the right angle. Yeah, Matt, I think it was um, possibly you that um, reminded me that um, if you the sales is just a numbers game, and if you know your numbers, then it will all fall into place. So if you know that um, out of every twenty conversations, you will have um, five sales or whatever your numbers are, they're just numbers pulled out of my head, but it is a numbers game, isn't it? Look, sales is nothing more than a, a combination of maths, so a numbers game. Yes. Ecology and systems. If you understand the numbers, that not everyone is going to be your client. Not no. everyone is going to sell to but you. But you don't want them to all be your clients either, do you, Matt? No. No, that's the thing. I, I These days I go more from a, you know, a reverse sales mindset of going, you need to sell me on why you, you you want to be my client, not the other way around because yeah. I have an abundance of clients. You know, I don't have an abundance of time, so I don't want to work with anyone that's not, that is not someone I'm going to have fun with and enjoy, yeah. enjoy work for or be able to, you know, be the personality that I'll drop anything to go and help them and consider friends. Like if, if, if I can't see that, that yes. happening, sorry, I'm not going to work with you. But, yeah. You know, back back before, I would take on anyone and I would sell hard and I'd regret it. Re- regret uh-huh. it a lot. Um, yeah. But numbers game. When I first started selling cars, my first ever sales manager worked through this this thing, and it used to be one out of four people that walked into the dealership bought a car, and right. our average two hundred dollars. So he would he would sit there and go, when someone walked into the into the dealership, just picture a fifty dollar note on their forehead. And when they walked out without buying, shake their hand and say thanks for the 50. Because if you've done your job right, three of them are going to say no. One of them is going to say yes, but mm. you follow the same process with all four of them. So therefore, the way, to, the way that he kind of trained me to view it was you're getting paid $50 to yes. follow that process regardless of whether they bought or didn't, or didn't buy. So I appreciate them for coming in because yes. if they, they don't buy, they've led you to the next, they've led you to the next opportunity. 
So each no is a one step closer to a yes? Fundamentally, yes. Mm-hmm. If you're following a process, process. and if going's working. Yeah, yeah. Matt, um, I wanted to know um, some of your biggest results, some of the things that you've been able to achieve for your clients that have just really, you've thought, oh, wow, what a great result. Look, the biggest results, sorry, the results that give me the most amount of pride actually has got nothing to do with sales. You know, know, listening to my team and looking at how my, you know, the, the, the team in the Philippines grow and, you know, are enjoying themselves and are bonding and all developing new skills. That for me is worth everything. You know, yeah. that's stuff that that's the stuff that I kind of drives me. Yeah, you know, drop. You know, drop drives me more than you know the hedge fund that we work with that they have a million dollar buy in that we we're helping them land. You know, we we help them land new clients. You know, the yes. the franchise coaching group that. We um, completely re-engineered how they sold their franchises. That half their that half their sale, and you know all of the other clients that you know we've we've turned you know we've turned their businesses around. That you know we've we've saved them twenty five thirty thousand dollars in in sales costs, but we've added hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue. That's you know that's, that's great. Good. You know, and there's there, there's there's heaps of stories of, of that. But it's the it's, it's the team and the watching them grow and and how we're able to kind of influence lives over at that level, yeah, and and start to do that is what's really driving me to keep growing so we can have more of an impact at that level. Which brings me back to my final question for the day, Matt. What do you what does your optimal future? For you and the team at O2O look like? Tell me about that bigger vision for the team and what that looks like. Paint me a picture. The the, the vision that I've been stuck with that you ask my <laughs> wife first with or blessed with depending on the day of the week yes. is we want to be responsible for creating 10,000 jobs. Yeah. So we, we've got a small team at the moment. We're miles away from, from achieving achieving that goal, but we want to use our current centre as a framework to be able to open multiple centres throughout the Philippines and then take it over to Thailand and Cambodia and Vietnam where there's a lot more exploitation happening, a lot more Mm. opportunity, hack lives and change and change, you know, communities. So Mm. that's the that's the thing that really keeps me awake at night and scares the scares the pants off me. But also what drives me gets you up of a morning and gets me back up and you know taking the hits and being able to move forward yeah yeah so you so essentially you've got um a small team in australia and a bigger team in the philippines um so from a managing director's perspective you're the boss how do you manage that team virtually what's that like for you look we are systems driven so we have tools that we can manage operations so you know we've got the the tools in place that we can see whether the team are doing their are doing the the tasks that they're supposed to do we've also got a great leadership team over there that does the basics as far as are they rocking up to work are they they happy are they healthy are they productive you know they they do all of that 
we then have our kind of communication tools that we, yes. we use and where we're kind of evolving into that, like, because our, our kind of senior leadership team's only been, um, been put in place sort of over the last few months, so that's been mm. laying a good foundation, is starting to really kind of build out the, the, the training and the, the training programs and the growth programs through from that. But it really is having the systems in place, having the right tools to measure and communicate. Yeah. But then really just trying to get out of the way. Yeah. And, let, and, and, and letting them do what they do best and letting them grow because the more that they grow, the more that we grow as a company. Yeah, yeah. Matt, when we talk about um, having uh, virtual teams, um, they uh, may be in the Philippines, but you've actually got off an office in the Philippines for them to come to, haven't you? Absolutely. We, you know, we, we, we have our office. We, you know, one of our kind of midterm goals is to actually buy a, a property over there that we can actually take our clients over um, and do immersion immersion work over there, introduce them to the team, introduce them to the office, show them through all of that. But, yeah, all of our team is, is managed in a physical location, in, a, in an office, which for me is one of those big success criteria. It's so much easier. Yes, because you provide them with the access to the technology and the internet and the computers and everything that they need to do their work, don't you? Absolutely. And it's that sense of community and it's that sense of team that, you know, home-based agents and when people work from home, they miss that interaction. Yeah. And stuff. So, yeah, they might, you know, you might save 50 cents an hour, a dollar hour, putting someone at home, but you're going to get half the productivity out yes. of it. But also the, the team aren't going to get nearly the amount of joy and, and the amount of fun. Like our, our team, we, we sent them away a couple of weeks ago on a, on a retreat over a weekend that as much as I wanted to pay for the whole event, my team refused to let me pay for the whole lot. So they, they contributed. So we paid for a, a big chunk of it, but they contributed. And it was their idea because they wanted to bond as a team. Yeah. They wanted to get each other better. You know, they, they all, it, it's almost like a family for them over there. And that's, yeah, yeah. they're all working on different projects. They're all working with different clients. Um, they're all, all doing kind of different things, but they, they all had that kind of sense of community, that sense of bond, that sense of um, team mm. that, that mm. drives them. Yeah, that that drives them forward, and that's that that's a, an essential, you know, ingredient ah. in sustainable success is yes. is is having, you know, having your team, whether it's remote, whether it's local, whatever it is, actually consider themselves as part of something greater than themselves, and that the team is greater than the individual. Yeah, yeah. Matt, before we run out of time today, um, I just wanted you to um, let the audience know how they can connect with you, chat with you to see if uh, you can help them. I know that you can, but how's the best way for people to connect with you, businesses look, to connect with you? best way would be look us up on LinkedIn. That's where we're most active and spend, uh, spend the most time. So it's Matthew, spelled with one T, um, Boyle. Um, which you'll see my, my, my face there. That's the that that's where you said you're gonna get connected with me directly, um, very, very quickly, or our website, which is online to offline.com.au. 
And those links for anyone listening will be wherever you see this interview, you will find those links to Matt and you'll also find them on the TonyLottis.com website under co-hosts and guests. Um, you'll find a link there to connect with Matt and the team at O2O. In this day and age, it's becoming more and more important that we get our systems right. And I know from having worked with Matt that those systems are very good. And Matt also comes with decades of experience in this arena and he's driven by a bigger purpose a bigger vision and a bigger mission matt boyle thank you so much for coming on everyday business today to tell us about o2o and how you work with businesses um i look forward to hearing more about your journey as we go along together and i'm wanted to wish you an amazing Easter break because I know you've been burning the candle at both ends on a whole heap of fronts. Um, There's been some massive things happening within your own business in terms of growth and uh, staff members. And so I know that you will be looking forward to a well-earned Easter break. Matt Boyle from O2O, thank you for being on Radio Tony today and the Everyday Business Show. Um, Don't forget, audience, please reach out and have a chat with Matt and the team at O2O. Uh, Matt Boyle1T on uh, LinkedIn and O2O online to offline is the website you need to go to. Matt Boyle, thank you so much today. Tony, thank you. All right, my wonderful people, that is your lot for this week. We will be back next week with another Everyday Business Show. I wish you all an amazing Easter break. For those of you that are able to have a break, have a wonderful one. For those of you that are working through the Easter break, condolences, but enjoy anyway. Eat lots of chocolate, have a great rest, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, Matt. Bye for now. Bye. I feel from my entire female nation, I call it. Is that possible?